50 seasons of New York Islanders hockey. And the New York Islanders have won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. A once-in-a-lifetime celebration. Oh, my goodness, Ryan Pollock saved the game! This is Talkin' Isles with Greg Picker and Corey Wright. We welcome you into another edition of Talkin' Isles, the New York Islanders' official interview-based podcast. Greg Picker here, the Islanders' color commentator on the Islanders' radio network, joined alongside by the director of digital for the New York Islanders, Corey Wright. And Corey, we brought on a, a fan favorite from the last few years, spent parts of four seasons, three real full seasons with the New York Islanders, Leo Komarov. Uncle Leo, everyone's favorite Uncle Leo Komarov joined the pod. Like you said, was only here for about three and a half seasons, but three very important seasons. Of course, the Islanders going to the third round of the playoffs in back-to-back years. So Leo, uh, even before he got here, was probably considered one of the bigger characters in the NHL. Guy that speaks a bunch of languages, pretty sneaky good piano player, and just all-around international man of mystery. So we got to dive into all of that and more with Uncle Leo. Leo played 491 games in the National Hockey League, 327 of those with the Toronto Maple Leafs, another 164 with the New York Islanders, and a really successful international career as well, representing his native Finland. We get into that and a whole lot more, and we'll take it away with Leo Komarov. Bouncing puck, Komarov on it, shoots and scores! Empty net goal for Uncle Leo! And it's 5-3 New York with under four seconds to go. He has iced the victory for the Isles. And we now welcome in Leo Komarov to the Talking Isles podcast. And, and Leo, we'll start with this. How many languages do you speak? Yeah, thank you. Well, I guess uh speak four languages somehow. Maybe fifth language is sign language when I get drunk. And uh, so, uh, yeah, but four, it's probably my main language, as I would say. So so what exactly is your background growing up? And, and can you tell everybody the languages that uh, you speak? Uh, my mom and dad are Russian. So obviously I grew up with uh, talking Russian at home. And, uh, and then uh, my dad used to play hockey. So we moved to a Swedish talking town in Finland. I learned, went to Swedish school, learned Swedish from there. And uh, obviously in Finland, you talk Finnish too. So uh, that basically came from there too. And uh, and then English a little bit in school and then uh, playing wise, just grew up with it. So we had Marius Tchaikovsky on the show. We also had Franz Nielsen and we got their stories of growing up playing hockey in Poland and Denmark respectively. I mean, for you, you know, what was the hockey scene growing up like in Finland? Because I feel like if anyone goes to an elite prospects, they see the academies, you know, you're playing for the same team, U18, U16, U20, all the way up into the men's club. So, you know, what's that hockey scene like growing up in Finland? Yeah, I mean, I guess we, we all got different stories, right? Like, uh, for me, I'm from a really small town in Finland where we had a outdoor hockey rink. And I think they built a indoor in 2011. So basically, I grew up playing outdoor until I was 14, 15. And uh, yeah, at some point when uh, we didn't have a good team enough or enough of guys, I had to move to a different city and start playing hockey there. And then, uh, you know, you get better and then you move to another city. So it just kind of... Yeah, I was playing soccer until I was 16, so it was between soccer and hockey, and then 
and they 17 18 when you kind of make it to a better team you know maybe you have a chance to become a hockey player so that's basically where we still are at so how uh, high level were your soccer skills would if you had decided to go that route could you have been a, a top level soccer player in finland or or a different european country yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you really need too much skill to play for Team Finland. I mean, now they're way better, right? But like back then, it's. Uh, but I played in the second highest league, so it's. Uh, or uh, Division Two was. I was 16 years old, so it was. It was okay at that point, and I have a few friends who made it a little bit farther, played in the Premier League or in uh, Italy League and stuff like that. So, but I think my body is not built for soccer. So I'm happy I picked hockey, and uh, but you never know, right? Like it's, uh, and that was my only option because we got the ice in early November, and then it moved down in early March, and so you basically skated in the winter times and played soccer in the summertime. So that's, uh, yeah, like I said, we didn't have any indoor rinks, so we, that's the only thing we had to do. Well, I got two questions off that. Were you like a striker, midfield, defender? And then also at the same time, were you like the best keep up player once you got over the NHL? Because if you're a pretty high end soccer player, I would assume you're pretty good at that. Yeah, I mean, if you ask myself, I'm, I'm a good two touch player. But uh, if you ask the guys and uh, if you're Barzi on those guys, I'm probably the worst guy. But but I was a midfielder and uh, long here, tried to play like David Beckham back in the days, you know, like, but. Uh, yeah, not not so skilled. It was fun. I'm still trying to play soccer now and then, but it's uh, it's obviously with all the injury risk and stuff like that, you can't really do that anymore. So when you made it to the professional ranks in Finland, right about 18 years of age, 05, 06, I see is your first uh, your first year in the top division playing hockey wise. You know what kind of a player were you? I mean, only six points in 44 games, over 100 penalty minutes. Did you play kind of a, a more North American type of style game? Do you think that helped you translate once you eventually made it to North America? Yeah, I used to be a skill skill player when I was younger, and uh, I was actually pretty small. So uh, I remember that year uh, it was 05 when. Uh, they had a few injuries and they make, told me I could come and practice with them with the pro team. And uh, the coach told me, like, if you want to play in this team, you have to start hitting people. You have to be hard to play against. And uh, so basically that's where kind of switch. I played on the fourth line, just chipping in and, uh, yeah, tried to hit everything I could see and uh, start working out in the gym because I was playing soccer. And so I was hockey wasn't maybe the main thing for me. And then... Uh, at 18, I, I gained some weight, got a little bit bigger, and then uh, playing the style I played was the only way for me to keep a spot in that team. So, and uh, I think my whole career kind of built from that too, like being to like playing hard and um, hit people and stuff like that. So it's kind of or to work hard to earn the spot. That's basically what it was about. And then uh, yeah, the penalty minutes. It's because in Europe you get five plus twenty for a fight or. Uh, so it kind of looks a little bit more than it actually is. And then the next year, I think I played four years in the Finnish league. So basically every year is standing wise, I think it's the same, maybe a little bit more points now and then, but uh, this, the role was the same. Well, between that, you know, you go to the world juniors twice uh, that first year you and Finland win bronze. I believe that one was in Vancouver and, I think I had read you were talking about the difference between a world junior in Canada versus the world juniors in Sweden. So that Vancouver one, especially, 
you have any memories from that one? And was that your first time really playing in North America as well? And just what do you remember about that World Junior? Yeah, yeah. This, uh, actually, I don't have too many memories, but obviously I still remember it because it's my first time in Canada and uh, first time actually with the national team too. And uh, you play, uh, it's a sold out. It's a big thing. It's like it's it's good to compare to, like you said, in uh, 2007 playing in Sweden. It's a different atmosphere and in Canada it was unbelievable. And then we even we got it to the bronze medal game too. And uh, we had two Karask was our goalie. He played unbelievable. I think he was the best goalie in uh, in the tournament. That's where you could start feeling like how high hockey actually could be, or how how big it is in in Canada or US or that's where we maybe start talking about how nice it would be to play in the NHL one day. So I think it's a good thing for, for young kids to try it out if they get a chance. I mean, you can obviously have to be good enough to get there, but it's, uh, it's good that I play them there. In 2006, you were a sixth round pick of the Leafs. Did you kind of ha- know that, that you were on their radar? Were you paying attention draft day? What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you get drafted, you think you, you're the next one to go up. And uh, obviously, uh, I, I wasn't really expected to get drafted. I got a phone call the next day. And uh, and that's probably the first time you think like, well, next year I'm going to be an NHL player. And, uh, and then you go for a prospect camp and you see how far you are away. And But the experience why it's good, because then you understand how much you have to work to get to the NHL or even to get to North America. So... Yeah, I went there 2006-2007, learned a lot of things, saw how it was, and uh, that's from my stand, you, we got the KHL, where uh, if you don't really make it to the NHL or you have to go through HL, you could always go to Russia and play, it's solid money, good league, and uh, that was a good way for me, and then at some point, I, I still made it to the NHL, but uh, it's not as easy as you think when you get drafted. I think a lot of junior kids think that way. Like, it's like, I got drafted, I'm going to be an NHL player, but it's, um, it's a tough road. I'm glad you brought up the KHL because, you know, you were there, I think, in just the second year the league had been around. And I think at that point, it had a reputation for being a pretty dysfunctional place. So, you know, was that the case? You know, what was it like playing in the KHL when the league so early into its existence? I mean, it was, uh, as a young kid, I think, I think it was a hard league because, uh, KHL is as a scale fast game. It's uh, it's a little bit bigger ranks and uh, old school Russian players have a lot of skills. So like you, for me it's easy because I understand the language. So the transmission wasn't that big, but uh, obviously you see the traveling. It's you can't compare KHL or NHL to a different like a Europe league. It's it's like day and night. Like obviously NHL is the best one. KHL is trying to get there, but they're still far away. Yeah, it was different, but it was kind of fun too because you come from Finnish league where you, you see small cities, or maybe I'm used to it. But uh, then you go play Moscow, you play in uh, close to China. There, it's eight, ten hour flights, and uh, hockey was actually pretty good too. Like so, it's uh, it was good. Yeah, I heard those road trips are just nuts like you said you're going from moscow to china like i'm surprised the trips are only eight to ten hours yeah i mean uh every, every team got a charter flight right like it's uh it, it takes you a while but it's uh you, you just go there you, you fly there for whatever 10 hours you nap you play a game now they have two teams there so you kind of have to stay there for two three days and then you fly it's only once a year so it's not 
it's tougher for those guys to to come to play to Moscow like six, seven times a year. So they're sitting in the airplane a lot. Taking a look at some of your teammates in the KHO, a couple Islander connections there. Alexei Zhitnik, Matthias Weinhandel also played for the Islanders, but also looks like a cup of coffee towards the end of his playing days. Miro Shatan was a, a teammate of yours. Not for long, only six games it looks like, but do you remember playing with Miro and even at the end of his career, the kind of impact he could have had on that yeah, locker room? Yeah, I remember Miro. He uh, he actually got hurt, so he, he was uh, not playing many games, but he was still around us, and uh, I see him now once in a while he's a GM for Slovakia now so it's uh that's the part of hockey like you meet a lot of good people and uh great players but uh you stay in touch with a lot or even if you don't talk to them you, you still see them once in a while so it's kind of it's good and uh I got lucky enough to play in the in Russia and NHL and basically all over the world so I, I seen a lot of different players and uh, I'm happy for that Maybe an offbeat one here, a little non-hockey related, but uh, I believe in Finland there's mandatory conscription and even athletes like yourself are not exempt from that. So what was that experience like? What do you mean? Do you have to go and do like a military service? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, that's a rule you have to do, right? So you have, I think I did it 2007. If I remember you have uh, it's six or 12 months, it depends how good a... Uh, an athlete you are or, uh it's kind of like it's a professional sport military or whatever but it's yeah you're a 20 year old kid who want to enjoy the summer and then you have to go and do that so it's at that point it wasn't maybe the funniest thing to do but uh if i look back at it, it's probably one of the best things i did like uh, yeah our army is a different thing like you train like if you're gonna ask me a question, I probably don't remember much. But it's uh, all that thing. You have to wake up at 5:45. You have to go for a run. You have a minute brush your teeth and stuff like that. So you you get used to taking care of yourself. That that's probably like the you basically growing into a man. So I would say that's kind of it's a good thing for sure. But it kind of it's six months of your life. So it's. Uh, if you, play, if you play hockey, it's good because they have this different uh, location you could go to. So it's not, you're not going to miss a lot of hockey, but it's uh, it's still kind of tough on you. During the midst of your KHL career, you were able to participate for Finland on the world championship team quite a few times. And in 2011, you were part of a gold medal winning team in a tournament that took place in Slovakia. And in North America, world championships aren't really the biggest thing going on at the same time as the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I have to imagine in Finland, that's a pretty big deal when you win that tournament. Yeah, it is. It's uh, in Europe. Obviously, world championships are big for us. It's an honor to to be be playing there, and uh, and I think it was the first time or the second time Finland won a gold medal since '95, and now they'd be winning a little bit more. But it's. Uh, yeah, it was nice. It's uh, it's good memories, and uh, after the season, you have a big party. Uh, I think we had hundred thousand fans waiting for us when we landed. We had uh, it was uh, it's a it's a different. It's basically when uh, someone wins a Stanley Cup, that's how you celebrate in the city. That's how the whole Finland goes. Like it kind of goes crazy, and it's uh, now they're getting more used to it. But it's uh, it was a good feeling. All right, well, you've made the jump over to the NHL in the 2012-13 season with the Leafs. And, you know, Greg and I always like to ask about Islander connections, and you would have played with Mikhail Grabowski and Nikolai Kuhleman just for the one year. But any memories of those guys that kind of stand out to you? 
yeah i mean two really good guys and uh who helped me out a lot like when i came to toronto and uh like i said like i still have connection with those guys too it's uh but yeah it's i came in as a rookie i was a little bit older i wasn't 18 or 20 so played in the khl so i knew a little bit but it's uh it's still it's a big change to come from europe to nhl and then when you have two guys speak the same language and uh it helps you out they helped me with an apartment and stuff like that so it was uh and everyone else was really nice too so but it's uh it helps you out a lot the islanders obviously moved to brooklyn during their time here and there's a big russian community down in Sheepshead Bay. They filmed a video one time where they were riding a tandem bike and just kind of being goofy guys trying to, you know, wear skinny jeans and all that. So were they like pretty goofy guys when you were there? Like, were they that tight then? Or did that maybe develop a bit later? Uh, probably came a little bit later. I mean, normal guys. Yeah. I don't know if they tried to make a commercial or whatever. I remember that video. I've been seeing it, but it's uh, two really funny guys. And, uh, yeah, it was great to be playing with them and know them. So 2016, it's your third year in the NHL, and you were named an NHL All-Star. You got to participate in that weekend in Nashville. What was that whole trip like and, and getting to be in that game? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it was a great experience. And uh, it's funny, as I saw, I, I knew every every team has to send someone, so maybe – my skill level was not there, but it's, uh, you know how it is. Like I had a good start to the season and I played good and uh, yeah. And uh, just to be a part of that. And uh, I had a few games in the KHL too. So like, it's a good memory to have. And uh, you could tell people you play with, like uh, I was an NHL all-star. As funny as it sounds like, but it's, uh, I mean, it's only good things. Well, in 2018, you signed with the Islanders. Uh, obviously, a couple of Maple Leaf connections there with GM Lou Lamorello and later Matt Martin. But take us back to 2018 and just what your early impressions were of the Islanders and Long Island. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, Lou was the biggest part of it. Like He, he called me and um, asked me if I, if I wanted to join in. And uh, I didn't really know much about it until I started reading and uh, get to know the history. But it's obviously... A, it's New York and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. Like it's, uh, trusted Lou and, uh, been around him for a long time. So, you know what he's going to bring into it. And, uh, I think, uh, the team maybe didn't look that strong as, as uh, I was thinking, but, uh, we made it to the playoffs the first round and, uh, and then lost two semifinals, like one game away from the Stanley cup finals. I think, uh, it was good. I mean, uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a good experience. Another player that signed that same summer with the team was a fellow Finnish national player in Valtteri Filppula. How nice was it having him in the locker room? And and he contributed a whole lot that year. And even though it was towards the end of his career, he, he scored 17 goals that season. Yeah, he was uh, actually, I think he signed the next day. So I didn't even know that. And obviously it helps you out when uh, when you have a guy who speaks the same language. or And I know Val from before too, so it was... Uh, and like you said, experienced guy. Like he uh, showed a lot to to younger guys who just how to be a professional athlete. So uh, and uh, now I'm happy for him. He won uh, the triple gold now too this year. So it's uh, it shows that he can still play hockey. I think he's what 38, 39 maybe. I don't even know how old he is, but uh, he was good there and he's still good. I remember you used to sit next to Matt Barzell that first year anyway uh, in the locker room on the road. 
uh, kind of bit of a mentor for him. So, you know, what was your relationship like with Barzi off the ice? I was really good. Like, uh, Barzi is, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a great guy. Like you can't really, like, he's a funny, obviously when, uh, when I came there, he was a little bit younger, had a lot of questions, but like, you look at him now, he's professional. I, I saw him in the world champions in Finland too. Like it's, uh, it's unbelievable how he, he improves every year. And he's, uh, yeah, every guy in, uh, in, in that locker room is the team was unbelievable. It's just like, it's, it was nice to be there, you know, because it's, made fun funny jokes about everyone obviously i'm they made a lot of jokes on me too so i'm kind of like it goes both ways but it's uh i missed that time it was good you talk about how close that locker room was is that a big part of the reason why you were able to have such great success in the bubble you know winning three rounds in toronto and making it all the way to edmonton in the the eastern conference final that year how important was it to be so close for you know being away and secluded for basically 50 days uh for sure it helps you a lot like we it was close and um, i think it has to do with your age too like it's uh it's a little bit older group right so like um you know how to handle it like a lot of us has families but we kind of stayed together and uh no one was really complaining about anything. We, we knew we had a job in front of us. So it's kind of, it was tough on, on everyone for sure, but it's a lot of card players. So it was kind of like, it was actually a good time. Yeah, I was going to ask, we know there was a ping pong tournament and we know a bunch of guys brought, you know, a PlayStation or an Xbox with them. So what what were you, what was your main uh, hobby to pass time if not playing hockey in the bubble? Yeah, I mean, I probably played a lot of cards, a lot. Like that's I was sitting at the card table every time we didn't have a practice or or a game, and uh, had some FIFA in me too. And uh, ping pong tried to be good there too, but it wasn't it wasn't my year. But I, I was around hanging with the boys, and it's uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good times. All right, who's typically the worst card player? Who's typically the best card player from that group in the bubble run? Yeah, the worst one is probably. Cal Clutterbuck, he has Johnny Boychuk was not good. And uh, yeah, the better one is probably, I mean, Barzi is not good. That's, but he's in the B group. We don't even count him in the A group. But uh, Matt Marty, he, he, he was good. Pelly was good. Bailey is a smart guy. I was good to see because that's probably like top six. And then you have Clutter and uh, Boychuk and Barzi on a different, different level. Well, we talked about you and Barzi off the ice, but you two were often line mates together for a certain period there. And of course, the team went on to have some pretty deep runs with you flanking Barzi. So just what's it like to play with them? And, you know, how do you think you two mesh together when you were together? We had some good shifts together, right? But it's, uh, remember I told him, I just clean it up for him so he could do whatever he wants, basically. And I play defense. You just try to give him the puck and uh and just go to the net. So that's maybe and they had Eberly on the side too. Swing wall to Eberly, cutting above the dot, right circle, Leo shoots and scores! Uncle Leo has his first goal of the season, ripping it into the upper left corner of the net, and the Islanders have the one nothing lead just over six minutes in. So two skillful guys and uh, uh, just basically cleaning if something happened. So that's, that's my role. Before we get too far away from the bubble talk, I believe there were some videos of you playing the piano in Toronto in the bubble. How long have you been able to play the piano? And is that maybe your uh, your most secretive skill that people don't always know about? 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's secret, but I played it once in a while. If uh, if I see a piano, like uh, I used to put a, sh- or I love to put a show on when you have people who I know is close to or whatever. So it's uh, it's a good thing to to have at some point. Well, we talked about the bubble. Obviously, you guys, you know, go to Game Seven the following year against Tampa. That year, you actually get to play games at the Coliseum. Ends with you know Bo and Game Six, beers on the ice, all that. You know, do you have any memories of you know just playing in that atmosphere at Nassau Coliseum? Was that perhaps one of the loudest rinks you think you've played in in your career? Yeah, for sure. It's. Uh, I mean, I remember I played there in uh, when I played in Toronto. When when you come as a away team, it's not the ideal place to be in because yeah, it's it's old and stuff like that. But then uh, first game. I can't remember maybe it was against Columbus or Columbus. Yep. Yeah. Another big game for Bo. Yeah, when we got uh when we got back to, to Colson, it was unbelievable. It's uh could be one one of the best games, like from a fan standpoint. Well, Greg, the date that everyone has circled since the early summer has arrived. It is December 1st, 2018, and the Islanders will play their first regular season home game in three years, seven months, and twenty days. And the atmosphere here inside the Coliseum actually began very early today outside the building. We go back to probably 7 a.m. when the first tailgaters were out on the Coliseum parking lot. And it just built and built and built. It helped that it was a nice day outside here in Uniondale, New York. And, well, now we have almost 14,000 people inside. You had probably 1,000 people lining the glass for warm-ups or getting as close to the glass as possible and just an unbelievable atmosphere of course the only way to compare it is to a playoff game and we're only in december and even after that it was always it was a safe place for us to play in because um yeah it was it was the fans so close to you and it's it's still a small rink or i mean it's not the biggest one but it's uh it felt like it was so loud and uh, it was good one thing I wanted to ask about your equipment, and I think you were known for having a little bit of an unusual visor, and I believe you entered the NHL before it was mandated for everybody who was a rookie and, and subsequently in their following years to actually wear the visor. So the angle of your visor didn't necessarily protect uh, everything in your face. So how did that come to be and, and why even wear the visor, I guess, if uh, you know the angle is a little different than the traditional visor? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's been a lot of talk from uh, from I, I heard a lot. A lot of guys ask me that, but uh, thing for me is like I can't really see see through it. So like I'm so used to have it up, and uh, actually I got a penalty one year for it because they tried to change the rules. And uh, my explanation is it's uh, I'm still battling in the corner, so I still when you get a high stick, or whatever, it kind of protects you a little bit, which. Many people think it doesn't, but I took it actually off for one game, four stitches in my forehead. So, I mean, I'd rather play it that way. That's, I guess, everyone can use it how they want, right? Like, and uh, yeah, I got a puck in, in, uh, in my eye before the bubble, too. And uh, would I have it correctly or not? Like, it was still been the same result. So, it doesn't really change anything. From what we had seen in the room, you know, you're always inspecting your skates after practice, you know, taking your time in the room a little bit there. So have you always been really particular about your gear? And I think someone told me you've perhaps been using the same jock since you were a teenager. So is that true as well? Yeah, that's true. It's uh, 
kind of love my gear, right? Like it's, um, I don't really love changing, uh, or I don't love the new stuff, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I take care of my skates, take care of my gloves. That's probably the most important thing. And, uh, and I just love sitting in the locker room, just talk to the boys. That's probably the best part of hockey. So uh, you put that together and, uh, I could sit there for hours. Well, I don't know how big Seinfeld might be in Finland, but when you came over, I think in Toronto and, and definitely on Long Island, the fans love to call you Uncle Leo. So did you know why you had that nickname pretty quickly in North America? And uh, how much have you learned since? Yeah, I didn't really know anything about it until someone told me at some point in Toronto. And uh, yeah, I mean, watch it. Uh, I mean, I know who it is, right? But it's... Uh, uh, yeah, it's I'm just getting used to it. And, like they call me that, but it's uh, yeah, I don't really care too much about it. Well, last year, you know, you were able to go back to Finland, play in the Olympics, and win an Olympic gold medal. So, you know, we've talked a lot about playing for the Finnish national team and what the international tournaments mean over there. So, you know, for you personally, what did it mean to win an Olympic gold medal representing your country? Yeah, it's uh, it's big. It's probably uh. Yeah, the biggest uh, win I maybe ever had, right? It's uh, it's a gold medal in the Olympics. Maybe it was not the best players, but uh, no one's going to ask you 20 years from now who played in that tournament or you just show your gold medal. And uh, I don't think like the athletes even understands at this point like how big it actually is because it's every fourth year. And uh, I think the average per year for a hockey player could be four years or whatever. So it's... Uh, kind of tricky move by me to to leave the NHL and go to play at the NHL and kind of try to make the team and uh, end up pretty good. So uh, I'm, I'm happy with the medal, but uh, yeah. Leo, thank you so much for joining us here on Talking Isles. We really appreciate the time. Thank you. Well, thank you again for joining us on another edition of Talk at Isles. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you might listen. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Greg Picker here. And I am at Rightsway. You can follow all the latest info about the team on Twitter at NY Islanders and stay up to date on UBS Arena at ubsarena.com. A big thank you to our producer, Rachel Lusher, and to WRAQ at Hofstra University. And we'll see you next time on Talking Isles.